Great to have you back with us for our Bubbles of Wisdom series. Today, I have with me Carol Levan, who is a co-founder at Potato Flay. Carol, pleasure to have you with us today. How are you? I'm good, and thanks for having me today. Great. Yeah, wonderful to have you with us. And I think you'll have some great insights to share with the audience. Um, so for those who might not know you, do you mind just giving us a little bit of background about your career and how you came to form Potato Play? So I started in uh, gaming about seven, eight years ago. Um, I started straight away actually in uh, in online marketing. Um, it was still a fairly new thing back then. Um, I was working for AAA games at Ubisoft um, and doing like basically running um, CPC campaigns on Google and Facebook. Uh, for the for the AAA titles, uh, Ubisoft back then was um, starting uh, in the in the mobile business and starting to develop their own mobile games, um, and they were looking for a user acquisition manager, and that's how that's how I started basically. I I transitioned from uh, desktop campaigns to mobile campaigns, um, and well, UA again was also <laughs> UA on mobile was also pretty pretty new. Um, not as much tracking, not as much uh, like networks, optimization tools uh, as there are today. Um, but uh, it was like, I really loved it because it was, it combined the creative aspect of marketing with the uh, more analytics side of um, uh, online marketing and online campaigns. Um, and that's, that's how it all started. So um, I, I switched to different UA positions uh, in different companies. So started at Ubisoft, I moved on to Wargaming. Um, actually a bit of a similar situation, uh, more of a PC and uh, console kind of um, environment. And they were wanting to develop their mobile business. Um, and that's, that's when I joined Wargaming. And then I moved on to Gameloft. Uh, a pretty big, uh, a pretty big player already well established in the industry by the time I joined them. Um, like again, UA, I really liked it because of the both the creative and the um, and the analytics aspects of it, and I wanted to continue um, working in this uh, environment. But I have been w had been working in France for a while, well, my whole career at this point, um, and wanted a bit of a change in uh, uh, geographical locations. And that's uh, that's when I started looking into moving to Singapore. So I've actually only been in Singapore for um, since beginning of last year, beginning of 2020. So right before, right before the whole pandemic started, that's when I decided to move here. Uh, I moved here, I met uh, Vincent, who is uh, uh, the CEO of Potato Play. And Potato Play, the, uh, the goal, was to bring Asian mobile games uh, to a broader audience worldwide. So the idea is there are a lot of games that are uh, being published every day in China uh, that never get out of China because, well, the Chinese market is already big enough. A lot of uh, uh, developers over there don't even think about going over to for the overseas market uh, because the local market is big enough and they also don't necessarily have the tools or the ambition to go abroad. And uh, that's how Potato Play started. We uh, we wanted to bring those like high quality 
Chinese games to the overseas market. Um, and we already had contacts with local developers there. We knew um, we we knew how to um, produce and market for the Western markets. Um, and yeah, that's how that's how it started. Uh, right now, we have a couple of games in our portfolio uh, that we are actively marketing, and we are also looking uh, into self-developed games. Uh, and this is kind of our next venture that we are focusing on at the moment. Very interesting. Thanks for that, Carolina. It sounds like you you were right there for kind of the evolution of, of mobile gaming and, and, and UA, and then saw through a lot of transition um, to, to better kind of metrics and, and more advanced kind of systems, and, and I guess a much harder game as well um, than when you first started, um, with the market being more kind of saturated now and potato play definitely sounds like uh, a very interesting and ambitious uh, way of kind of bringing those Chinese games to, to Western markets and always kind of a difficult crossover between some territories. So, so sounds like some really good work you're doing and some very exciting um, things for the future there as well. Um, so one of the, the kind of technologies that, that has been kind of an emerging technology across the world and across industries really um, which is something that the people are kind of starting to find as something helpful within UA is automation. As a mobile app publisher, what parts of user acquisition could or should be automated in your opinion and why? Of course, um, automation, um, I, I think, is a, is a key part that everybody should consider at some point. I think everybody in their everyday job has those repetitive tasks that are essential to your business, but they are not necessarily making full use of the human potential of your workforce and maybe taking time from them where they could be spending time thinking outside of the box, getting new ideas or grow and learn new skills, right? So mobile UA, I think the first thing is uh, checking your uh, your KPIs. So every that's, that's the first thing you do in the morning, basically, as a UA manager. Uh, checking your budgets, checking your ROI, uh, your installs volume, anything that matters to your business. Uh, so I think for me, the first task to automate is reporting. So basically being able to start your day by having a quick glance as, uh, at your uh, previous day results and plan your day ahead in consequence. So it could be, you know, uh, rules that um, you set up to uh, have certain alerts when your budgets go overboard when uh, you know some trends are different, uh, differ too much from the previous day trends. Anything that basically is out of the ordinary and that you should take a look at. Second task uh, to be automated is uh, one of the most repetitive that and one that any UA manager will have to face at some point uh, is bid adjustments. So bid adjustments on some of the bigger networks, uh, a lot of the job is already automated for you. Uh, and there are algorithms that will uh, do those bid adjustments for you. But there is also a lot of value to be made on other ad networks that don't have such advanced algorithm and still require a lot of human intervention to make it work. So this, I think, I mean, and Bobola knows about it, right? <laughs> this, is a, uh, this is one of the, uh, key things to automate uh, for me as a UA manager. Uh, the final, the final thing and kind of the final frontier in automation would be the creative process. But I think this one is is some something that uh, will still take a while to do. 
because this is where the human eye and the human value is the most difficult to replace um, because it actually requires some subjective assessment uh, of the of the creatives themselves on top of just looking at the KPIs. And it also requires creativity um, and not only just following logic and rule. Perfect. Yeah, I, I like how that you look things in in phases and, and yeah, I think automation can really help. Um, obviously, when you're not at work, the automation can keep doing tasks and, and ensuring that you don't hit any kind of thresholds that you don't want to hit in terms of, of spend. Um, and it's good to kind of evaluate that early in the morning and then move on from there. And I think automation does have a big part to play, but as you're right, you, you always need that kind of human eye and that human aspect when you're looking at things like creatives or even UA in a sense of using your own kind of logical sense and, and understanding of previous experience to, to apply that in a way that perhaps a, a computer model couldn't, but definitely a, a place and, and an easy way to kind of remove some of those repetitive tasks and make sure that you're really focused on on the things that you have expertise in um, and helping the app kind of move along in the marketing phase. So another really hot topic at the moment that, that's still getting talked about quite a lot and still kind of almost a, a murky um, side of things and, and things still not really kind of falling into place and, and everyone having a clear view uh, is iOS 14 uh, and the increased privacy measures. Uh, given the opt-in tracking restrictions, what is your estimated impact of this? Perhaps across different genres and domains, do, do you think it differs in any way? I think the main thing that will uh, make a difference for everyone is uh, the size uh, of the audience that you already have. Like uh, For me, the increased privacy measure will increase the divide between those who already have a large audience for their games and the rest. As... Um, since we are not allowed anymore to share or like share very little data uh, between the networks, the publishers, the advertisers, having your own data and being able to leverage it will be essential to making decisions. So retaining your own users will be even more critical than before. Private deals between advertiser will be more valuable because, well, and even that I think will be, will be restricting a lot. So I think this is this is where uh, everybody is uh, is racing right now. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you there. I think there's a there's a few different aspects to to kind of visit with that. Um, but yeah, it should kind of strengthen some relationships and and some trust. And, and definitely, if you do have an established market and audience already, um, it's good to kind of have those and keep keep feeding into the users that you do have. So you mentioned obviously earlier with the, with the automation question about the importance of creatives and the importance of having those human eyes and, and human kind of input on those. So talking a little bit about creatives, um, you know, it's obviously important to have a very engaging and eye-catching advert and to test these for post-install performance. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience with kind of banners, videos, playables, and how people should strategize their creatives on a mix of different channels and networks. In mobile gaming, uh, video and playable are key <laughs> in terms of uh, creative because you need to be able to show the audience uh, the experience of playing your game. And a static image is less likely to showcase it properly as compared to a video and a, and a playable. So I think as a... Um, in terms of creative mix, they those two should really take up more than 90% of your creative process. 
um, and buyers should take the rest. Banners are a good way of reminding your audience that your game exists or of a certain feature of their, your game. Uh, once they've already seen your game or already seen your uh, video ads or playable ads. Regarding managing the different channels and networks, I would say the first thing is also to manage according to your own team capabilities. Test as much as possible. And in that regards, videos are a good medium because they are like you are you often able to iterate faster and also to create a lot of different concepts on videos. Whereas playables are usually more troublesome to make and iterate on. But they can also be very valuable because not as crowded as the video space because because of the technical capabilities that uh, are required to actually make them. Great, yeah, I, I think it is very kind of important to to test and and iterate and see what's working and definitely what's working in in different markets as well. And yeah, can see that playables are are very effective, but a little bit more time consuming in, in, in terms of development. But I think getting that mix right is is, is a good way to to look to attract um, new users to your game. So just moving on slightly into kind of different networks and, and ways to, to attract users, um, with the wide range of options available for UA strategists, what in your opinion is the best combination of SDK networks, SANS and DSPs? Do you recommend certain approaches, exceptions and strategies? And how much budget do you think it makes sense to invest on these? Yeah, I think uh, when approaching the networks to mix, there are a few things to take into consideration. First, I would say the business model of your game uh, matters a lot. So whether you are uh, monetizing through ads or IP or subscriptions. Um, the second thing would be size of your team again, <laughs> because you have to you have to be able to manage your your work resource, your human resources as well. Uh, and finally, the tools that you can have access to. So in terms of approach, I would always recommend to start with um, SANS first, uh, because they are the ones that have, well, they have the biggest inventory. They also have the most advanced tools that already automate for you part of the job. And they are also the ones that optimize the fastest. So where you can see the results the, the fastest. So when you're, you're in the early stage of um, testing your games, uh, re like the early results, the earlier you can get results, the faster you can uh, assess whether you are able to scale it or not. So this, was, uh, this would always be my, my first um, uh, approach to UA for any, any title. It's also good for a small team with limited experience and time. Again, uh, because of the reasons I mentioned. SDK networks, I think, are a great uh, growth, a growth channel uh, because you... So there is a lot of value to be made on SDK channels, but you also need more time uh, or use of an external tool to optimize or, you, or have uh, more human hands to optimize. Um, and they also take a bit more time to optimize and really see the value. In. So this would be a second stage for me. And then finally, DSP would be uh, the late stage UA where you've already exhausted all of the, uh, the you, you can never really exhaust everything, but basically exhaust the easily accessible inventory, let's say, where you have more uh, solid financials and understanding of your game uh, ROI. 
because those will take longer time to optimize, longer time to test, and also longer time to see returns. I think there is value to be made in, in uh, each of them, but it's more up to how much time and how much money you are able to invest in all of those. Perfect. I, th I think that's a very balanced answer. And, and obviously, the key to each stage of that is to, to experiment and before you scale. Um, and see what's really working in, in each area of those. So yeah, I don't think that's a perfect way of, way of looking at things and, and, and always looking within your limitations as a team and, and what you're, you're looking to, to achieve as well, rather than trying to you know, go ahead of, of what you're, you're trying to do and achieve. Um, so obviously you've worked with, with a number of different uh, apps throughout your career and faced a number of different challenges and used a number of different optimization strategies. How does UA differ depending on an app's monetization model? For example, ad revenue versus IAP versus a subscription model. Do you see differences in the best suited UA approach depending on the monetization model? Yes, for sure. I think already one of the things that usually comes with the monetization model is also the type of retention that you get uh, on this title. So not to generalize, but the purely ads-based games usually have a shorter retention. Um, so already in terms of the return uh, or the break-even window that you should be looking at, uh, you often need to be, to be looking at shorter windows when you work with um, purely ads-based monetization rather than IP-based games. And in terms of strategy, like because of the nature of the ads-based model, you, you often also have a lower LTV. So it's kind of a thin margin, high volume kind of approach that you need to go for. So higher tier countries will have, of course, higher ECPM, uh, but you can't neglect low tier countries because they have a high volume potential. So even though you might only be <laughs> making a few cents of margin on those countries, you the revenue potential is still pretty. And in terms of channels approach, rewarded videos and like most of SDK ad networks will bring you most of your users due to the nature of the audience being already familiar with watching ads um, in their in the games that they are playing. In terms of um, IAP games, uh, they they have a potentially higher ceiling, but also a lower pool of users, right? Because on the on the IAP game, it's all, all about optimizing for your payers, and it will it will often be a, a limited pool of users. The there there is a higher risk to invest on a, an IAP game because you're also looking at a longer uh, window for break even. And you often need to invest more uh, in order to find the the small pool of payers that uh, will eventually make your game break even. Uh, subscriptions, to be honest, I, ha I, I have limited uh, experience with subscriptions. I would say the what's tricky about subscriptions is that you have a trial period. So the time to conversion is actually even longer. Uh, whereas for, well, ads, ads based, you, you can already see, re see results within a day, whether you're your users are watching ads or not. IAP, usually, uh, you would also tend to see results within seven days. Subscription, if you have a trial period, then it will take it will take longer to see conversion and it will be harder to optimize as well. Wonderful, yeah, I think, again, a very, very thought-provoking answer. And 
I guess all about knowing your users, knowing where they're coming from and, and learning how to identify whether someone would be a valuable user from, from, from the start when they are initially downloading the app to make sure you're getting them from the right pool and, and maximizing your chances um, from the investment that you're putting in to find users who, who are going to have a, a good lifetime value. So speaking of lifetime value and, and indicators um, that are important in order to optimize UA, what performance indicators do you think are the most important for UA? Perhaps depending on different app genres again, and, and also perhaps looking at the different channels that you can use to market. The first performance indicator um, that is actually not directly tied to UA, uh, but rather tied to the game itself would be retention. This is this is always my first performance indicator because it's the hardest to improve on. So you kind of have to work with it uh, from the moment you uh, you start seeing uh, seeing results. Obviously, you can always improve your game. You can always add content. You can always add um, live up events to. But the core the core of it is is still the 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 retention of the game itself. On the UA side, uh, purely UA, I would say there are. Well, there are two main things to optimize on uh, the the creative and uh, the the audience or where where you are getting your users from. Creative wise, you look at click through rate and which will give you an indicate like this is the key indicator of whether your creative is appealing or not and whether your creative is appealing to a certain audience or not. And across different app genre, I think you would expect more or less high base CTR kind of level, right? Like the more casual uh, or the broader the potential audience for your game, the higher your CTR. You can also trick um, trick your your creative to have higher CTR when you you present your game uh, that is maybe more niche uh, in a way that appears more casual and appears more appealing to a broader audience. We've all seen those de deceiving ads, right? Um, but be, because there are so many, it's also because that they they are finding their audience and they and marketers are finding value in them. The second indicator would be conversion rate. Again, that's that's more uh, whether your ad and uh, your game have a good fit in the mind of the audience that you are targeting. So again, this is trickier regarding the like depending on the creative that you are using. Uh, whether it's really the gameplay, the actual gameplay of your game, or if it's a slight variation on the gameplay, then your conversion rate might um, uh, be more or less uh, high. But both of those, because they determine your your ECPM in the end and the um, the, the value uh, that your your ad has on the different networks, those two are the most important indicator to look at. When looking at creatives. I think that's a wonderful point. You know, retention is such a vital part of building a user base and maintaining a user base. Um, and it's something that's definitely worth monitoring. Um, and similarly, you know, any metrics on, on creatives and creative performances is, is a great thing to look at and advance those. And when you're looking at iterations, you need to know what are the key factors and metrics that are performing well within that creative to to appeal to the same audience and, and perhaps knowing that specific information due to the geography that you're targeting for and, and also the networks that you're targeting for is really something that's vital to enhancing and optimizing your, your performance with the marketing strategy. So 
as you know, the, the Kraken provides AI-based bidding algorithms to optimize source-level bids. In your opinion, in which situation is a straightforward LTV-based bidding recommendation where indicators of higher LTV determine a higher bid being placed? And in what other situations is portfolio-based bidding recommendation where bids are a function of the price needed to reach the most promising sources? I would say it depends on your risk profile. It, so, it sounds very much like like a, a investment, right? Investment uh, on the on the market, but basically, what is what is your goal uh, for the user acquisition in your company? If you need, uh, if like being break even um, and making sure to meet your profitability threshold is uh, the key thing for you, then I would say LTV based bidding is the way to go. Um, because that's that's the uh, surest way for you to make back your your investment. Um, but the downside to that is also potentially losing on additional traffic, right? Because it would be more conservative in the way that it's bidding. Um, on the other hand, I think if your uh, goal is to grow um, and you have more room in your budget to test and assess and take a bit more risk because um not not every investment will uh will break even i think the portfolio based bidding allows for more potential growth great yeah i think that's a good way of putting it you know it's whether you want to be kind of more conservative and how much you want to be kind of experimental and it's important to do both um so that you are kind of maximizing your opportunities where your opportunities are um so automation can also alleviate several pain points within UA. You know, we touched on this in, in the first question. Um, and automating daily tasks can be a, a great way to free up time for things that need more human attention. Which of the following areas do you think should be automated most urgently and why? Um, so we have things like cross-channel budget allocation, uh, source level ATV, LTV prediction, new traffic exploration creative A to B testing, creative generation, and an alerting system for situations that need human attention? Again, I think my my answer will be that it depends on what stage uh, of growth you're at with your, uh, with your mobile app. So I would recommend to go from widest to more granular. Um, so alerting system and cross-channel budget allocations, uh, I would say are the first two. Because as you are increasing your investments and you want to make sure to maintain your profitability overall and not be, uh, make one big mistake, right? Or like as, as uh, soon as a uh, trend is likely different from the day before you want to be alerted, then I think that's, that's the best way to save time at the beginning when you are gr still growing your traffic. In the second time, I think source level and new traffic exploration is good to kind of continue on that initial growth. Uh, once you reach a certain threshold where you have, um, you kind of have the minimum volume as well to make sure that you can actually uh, make very fine optimization, source level at optimization. And uh, the exploration is also good for you when you're uh, looking for even more growth. And I think uh, in the final stage, I would, I would say creative A-B testing uh, and creative generation. I think partly because I, I think the solutions are still early 
uh, in regards to those two. And it's also because when, once you've met the previous pain points and you really want to focus on uh, diversifying the audience that you're reaching uh, with different messaging um, and kind of different creative pools, uh, that's that's when uh, you, you start focusing on really fine-tuning your creatives. Wonderful. I think it's, it's good to align the priorities really with things that are personal to, to your kind of organization and the way that you're running UA uh, in general. But I think that was a very good kind of way of strategizing and looking forward to the things that are potentially the most high priority to the things that, that are a little bit lesser. And, you know, hopefully there will be some some more advanced systems in the past to, to deal with kind of creatives testing and, and, and even generation um, because I, I think it is kind of an area that's a little bit underserved by technology at the moment and an area that perhaps doesn't have the the same level of technology that the other areas do have so got a final few questions for you now um, very kind of general the next question is actually one that I quite like asking people that are coming on the series because it is very kind of personal to themselves their own um, experience and, and how they like to run their UA teams um, so what do you think, in your opinion, is the holy grail for a UA manager or team? What do you think they might be currently missing from their toolkit? <laughs> I, I would say any 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 UA person wish they could clone themselves. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think there is one tool that can solve all of anyone's team's problems. I think it's really something that you need to approach uh, based on what you have already available, uh, what is most time-consuming for you uh, in a week? What are, what are the tools available externally for you to uh, optimize your time? And how can you leverage those to um, opt optimize your time and um, save it for the uh, more high-value stuff that you can provide? Great. So I guess that's kind of twofold. I mean, from one aspect, you could use automation to, to kind of automate your task. But also when you're saying looking for, you know, to clone yourself, I, I guess that kind of team aspect is quite important uh, in terms of recruitment and um, culture uh, and making sure everyone kind of has the same level of, of understanding and, and the same kind of common goals and, and ways of thinking. Um, but yeah, I think to both two kind of elements that, that are, are really important um, to any kind of UA team or UA manager when looking to kind of expand their mobile marketing or, or their team itself. Um, so before wrapping up, can you tell us about the the biggest mistake that you've made in your UA career and and, and what you've learned from that? I shouldn't probably <laughs> I shouldn't probably list them publicly. Uh, that might get me in trouble. No, I think I think for uh, for me the biggest mistake is trying to do everything by myself because well it's a bit of a, an ego thing. But you don't need to rely only on yourself. You can trust others, and uh, you certainly lose time and efficiency on uh, in trying to do everything by yourself. Uh, there are a lot of resources. There are a lot of tools available um, and there are a lot of people out there that can help you and let you focus on uh, what you do best and learn and grow and cut down time on things that are uh, not making you or your business grow and learn. 
Great. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. And that there is a lot of resources and, and actually a very tight knit community. I always find with UA, there's always people that are looking to to kind of help out and, and, and provide their kind of advice and expertise, much like you're doing right now for, for everyone as well. So, you know, I think it's a great community to be part of and, and to learn from each other. Um, so final question for you, what advice would you give to any UA team that was looking to start automating some of their processes? Mm. <laughs> um, I'm a bit afraid that I'm repeating myself a bit, but really for me, it's, it's uh, like, pinpointing what, what is that activity that uh, you keep doing every day that's essential for your business, but that is not making you grow and learn. Something that uh, you know you can, you, know, you, you could set a rule and have somebody else do it or have a machine do it. That's, that's, when, um, that's where you need to start with automation. Find, find that one repetitive task um, that you're not like your human eye is not necessarily bringing any added value. To Great. Yeah. And then I guess see the success from that and, and see how much time you're saving from that and then look to expand automation with, with, within the UA processes. Perfect. Yeah. You always need to start small, I think, because starting to <laughs> trying to automate everything at once, you're sure <laughs> is going to lead you into a wall. Uh, start small and grow from there. Like, Grow, grow the automation process from there. Yeah, I think scalability is key and testing with, with a small area as well. Well, listen, thank you very much for joining us today, Carol. You've shared some, some amazing insights with us and, and I'm sure the audience will be, be very interested in, in some of the areas that you've shared. Um, and it's been great to have this conversation with you. Um, I really appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot uh, for inviting me. Um, it's really great to be able to connect in these uh, in these times where uh, connecting in person is uh, is still a bit difficult, and um, this is this is a great opportunity for me as well. So thank you. Great, thanks for joining us, and perhaps we maybe see you at an, an event uh, next year if if events are allowed back on. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Carol.